It's my uh, privilege and pleasure today to introduce our speakers to you, and some of you know them, and some of you do not, but Mike and Sue Edmonds are a couple sitting over here at this table, and they have been members of this church for many, many years. Um, they started dating about 46 years ago. They've been married, they'll be married 41 years this year. They have four children, they have nine ch grandchildren, and five grandchildren that are uh, surrogate grandchildren that call them Nana and Papa. But they're not really blood relation, but they feel like they are. Uh, they moved here from Dixon, Illinois in 1988, and they have settled in this area and called this their home for that many years. Mike works at the tree farm, the Martin Tree Farm, if you've ever heard of that. Um, he works there. And Sue works at Cheekwood photo Photography Studio. Uh, they have a passion for marriage. They have a passion for the Lord. They have a passion, most of all, to glorify him, whether it be in relationships with one another, relationships with spouses, relationships with friends, just to glorify the Lord. They hold marriage retreats several times a year out at the tree farm. Um, and they have a two-to-one uh, small group that meets every Sunday morning. And off and on, they shepherd 32 couples through that ministry. So that's really good. So I would like to introduce to you Mike and Sue. We are just, a, it's going to be great. Um, they prayed about their topic today, so don't be surprised when you hear their topic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we did pray. Yes, this is my voice. It's scratchy if you've heard me before. But uh, we did pray about our topic uh, a long time ago. If I get a chance to talk, I always want to talk on one thing, so I'm going to mention that for sure. But in case you're wondering, I know you are, you're looking at my neck and going, what is that on my neck? It's not a, well, it was a growth, but now it's gone, fortunately. Um, I was going to tell you it's Valentine's Day. Sue got crazy this morning. I had to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> but then I didn't want to, I didn't want to embarrass her, so anyway. Um, no, actually, it's, um, and Andrea, I work for Dr. Martin. I had this growth on there, and he calls me up and he says, I have some good news and some bad news. Don't you love it when doctors tell you that? And he says, the good news is, well, the bad, do you want the good news first or the bad news? He says, well, let me give you the bad news, or the good news is it's not melanoma cancer. The bad news is that it is cancer, but it's localized. And then they always say this, but it's the good cancer to have. <laughs> Thank you very much. So yeah. Um, but it was that he got it all after two cuts, so that's very good. Um, and I'll tell you a quick joke. The doctor once called and said, I got some good news and bad news. And he says, what do you want first? He says, well, give me the good news. And he goes, you got 24 hours to live. And the guy says, what could be worse than that? What's the bad news? He says, I forgot to call you yesterday. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, just so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I did have good news. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're going to talk about a bad thing. But we're also going to talk about a real good thing. And then have really good news for you and how this can happen, how you can do over this. And I thank you for the opportunity and again, uh, happy Valentine's Day. And we were wondering about our topic. And I think, okay, romance or reality? Um, the reality is you are mops. <laughs> so you go through what you go through. And I'll talk to you about that and actually how special you are. 
and you're going to see that this is the good news and this is what you're going to we're going to talk about um and hopefully give you a principle at the end um that's really going to help you and really encourage you not only help you but maybe help you counsel other people who are struggling what we're going to talk about but first of all i want to talk about um my key topic and we're going to do a little participation here so i'm going to ask some people to come up now um people who know the definition can't talk can't say it okay which means the people in our sunday school class or the people who have been to marriage retreats so like holly Sam, adrian you know several of them have been there but we're gonna we're not gonna ask for volunteers we're gonna pick them so here's what's gonna happen so all you ladies at this table you have to stand up and come over here and line up starting right here and then who laughed over here this table laughed okay two four six yeah all you ladies all of you ladies got to come over here and you have to stand up now you got to start you have to start right here right here just in a line you got to all be in a row now here's what we're going to do sue's going to give you some words what we're going to talk about the big thing we're going to talk about that I always talk about is the grace of God. We're going to look at a verse that's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. And here's what it is. Now listen as I read this verse. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So unfortunately, that's kind of what the bad news is. We're going to talk about bitterness. So let's think about this talk together. We're going to do it. It's going to be like a plane ride, almost, um, which is kind of interesting, too, I thought of. You guys got all this beat stuff here, and then Kristen's not here. And she just kind of put it in your face. Where, is, where has she been? You know, and you guys are here in Cape Girardeau. She's on a real beach. But anyway. I had to get that in, too. But anyway, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be like a plane ride. So what we're going to do is we're going to get on the grace plane. And that's our destination, and that's what we want is the grace of God and that you don't fall short of it. Then I'm going to let Sue talk to you while you're on the plane. Because <laughs> she's going to talk about, no, she's going to talk about bitterness. So there'll be a little turbulence. So I gave her that part. Okay, that's, wasn't it nice of me? I, and then what we're going to do is we're going to land the plane. Okay, and then I'll come up and talk about that and hopefully give you a principle that will really be an encouragement to you. This is the definition of grace. Do you guys have it? Do you guys all see it? The definition of grace. Okay, we're going to put it in order, and I'm going to give it to you real quick. Okay, who should be first? You guys got to look around, move around. The, okay, you go to the front of the line. The, who should be last? Okay, life, you're down here. You got the... Okay, now, anybody got any ideas? Shout it out. What would be the definition? What's next? The what? Anybody got a thought? The divine. Divine. Very good. And somebody said influence. Very good. The divine influence. Oh, and you know what? You don't even have to move. Very good. Okay, now, what is it? The divine influence upon what? The. How about another the? Put a the in there. Okay, and Sue, you don't have to move. And, very good. Oh, that's Ian, and. Sorry, sorry, Morgan, it's and. 
and what? It's, keep going, reflection, very good. And then you ladies just scoot over. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, just scoot over. Yeah, don't switch. Okay, now, okay, this is, and for you guys who know me, I'm crazy about this definition. I love this definition. It is the grace of God. And why is the grace of God important? Just a couple quick thoughts. Paul, do you know Paul starts every letter and he ends every letter within the first three or four verses or statements, the grace of God be with you or the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Every letter without exception, he starts and he ends. So why would he do that? Because that's important. So it's important to Paul. In John chapter 1, the word became flesh. Moses, the law was realized. You know what was realized in Jesus? Grace and truth. And it even says grace upon grace. So if we're talking about grace, I want to just, and this is what we're going to talk about, see to it that no one falls short of this. Here's the definition of grace that I just love. And I'm going to just give it a quick explanation. Look at what it is, and let's put it together. The. What does the mean? The is a definite article. That means the. So if I say I'm the man, I am the man because there's nobody else here. So. <laughs> But I am the, so we're talking about the definite article, okay? Divine. When you think of divine, you think of godly, you think of deity, you think of holy. You think of the one who created everything by his word. So it's the definite divine influence. Now, when you think of influence, what is that? That's a persuasion to move somebody, to move them to a certain, but also for a distinct purpose. You're influencing them, you're persuading them for a distinct purpose. So this is what grace is. The godly divine deity influence persuasion upon, and again, people who know me, I'm crazy about definitions, upon means up on. Pretty good, huh? But not just up on, it means covering. Not just on it, but covers it totally, like a basket. The divine influence upon the, again, and then it says heart. Now when you think of heart, what do you think about? The soul, the inner being, the core, the central thing. If I say, let's get to the heart of the matter, put everything else aside. This is what grace is. It's the godly deity influence, persuasion upon the very core of your being. And along with all of this, it's referring to that, the divine influence, it's reflection. And what is a reflection? It's a mere image. It's what you want to show. It's what you want to produce. That's what people will see. So again, look at it all as it comes together. God's defined influence, persuasion upon the very core of your being, and it's reflecting, showing out in whatever it is in the heart, especially in the, and then it says life. Now, if you look up life in the dictionary, it says to exist. That's what life is, to exist. So when you see what God says about the grace of God and what Paul, when he says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, there is no greater prayer. Because he's saying, may the God of everything, his persuasion for the certain thing upon the very core of your being, may it reflect in your very existence. That's what he wants. So when Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, when he ends every letter, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, when Jesus is the fullness of that, 
And when you think about Christ, he is the fullness of that. Everything he did was because he followed his father. I always do the things that are pleasing to me. He had the divine influence upon his very existence and the very core of his being. That's what grace is. And so that's what we want to have. And then the last thing, I want to put a couple more words in here. How about this? How about that? The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in our marriage. How about that be our prayer? Or then the last thing is, and this could be hard sometimes. I know because I'm one of them. How about this? This is your prayer, ladies. The divine influence upon my heart and its reflection in my husband. That what I do changes him and it's reflected in him. So we're going to get on board, Grace. We're on that. We're going to look at that verse, Hebrews, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and let the root of bitterness spring up, thus defiling many. We don't want that to happen. It won't happen with this. So thank you, ladies. Sue's going to take you on the plane now. And she will have a little turbulence, maybe, but that's okay. I'll land it safely, I hope. <laughs> oh, you're not Sue. You're Adrian. You're Sue. Well, ladies, we've taken off. And if you've ever been on a plane ride, the little sign up above your head now says, fasten your seat belts. <laughs> we might hit a little turbulence so you want to make sure your seatbelt's on so yes this is something we have prayed about and the Lord has just really burdened our heart that this is something that we can share that we all need to hear especially me as a woman so anyway bitterness we're gonna talk about that and like Mike we like to look at the dictionary and define bitterness and when you look it up bitter or bitterness it says it's a noun okay it's an adjective but I think it also should be listed as a verb because it sure causes action <laughs> it sure has action to it but it is defined as intense hostility resentment sarcasm this is Valentine's Day so we're always thinking of chocolates but think of something bitter that you've had in and you've eaten it, what does your face do? Does it go, hmm? Mine goes, can you think of a bitter taste? Now think of that face, that countenance. The eyes are squinted, the mouth is all scrunched up usually when you've tasted something bitter. Well, the eyes, when they're like that with bitter, you cannot see. You really cannot see clearly. And? The mouth usually has biting words then. You may even be referred to as a sourpuss when we have that bitter countenance, that countenance of bitterness. Well, as we read in our verse in Hebrews, it says that bitterness has a root. It's the root of bitterness, and roots are a source. So, as each of you are sitting there thinking about that, think of, is there a deep hurt, a secret hurt, or an unmet expectation, betrayal, unkind word that has developed a root in your heart that um, 
you know that it's there. <clears throat> well, we're going to talk about the four C's of bitterness. It's going to be choice, control, contagious, and consequences. The first is choice. Bitterness starts with a choice. It's how you choose to respond to that source, that hurt, that unmet expectation. Today's Valentine's Day. There may be some unmet expectations from husbands. Don't allow that root of bitterness to set in. Be ready. Because bitterness is watered and fed by our choices of unforgiveness, holding a grudge, isolating ourselves, stubbornness, sulking. None of us do that. And you can fill in your own blank there. What feeds bitterness? Now, we're going to go on to control. Bitterness. It takes over. It controls. Controls the whole person. The whole person. It takes over your body. Someone once said, bitterness is like taking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. It does. It affects you physically, your person. It affects you mentally. Wrong thinking, believing lies of the enemy. And spiritually, it grieves the Holy Spirit when we hold bitterness within us. James 3, 10 through 12 says, From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, ladies, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Bitterness takes over. It really does. And when you think of something bitter, the aftertaste, it's what you're left with. Three, bitterness is contagious. It affects all. It affects everything, not just you. The people in your life, your husband, your children, your family, your in-laws, your friends, ladies, it even affects strangers how you may respond to that person at the grocery store. It can affect them. It's contagious. And then they are bitter because of the way you acted towards them, and they don't even know you. It's contagious. And it's contagious to your environment. It affects not only your home. It will affect your work area. It can affect your church. It can even affect pleasure, places you go for pleasure. Because if you're holding that root of bitterness, it will affect your ability to even enjoy the pleasurable things. So we know this is true. If we really are honest with ourselves, we understand that bitterness, as Hebrews says, it really does defile many. So the consequences are kind of obvious. Destroyed relationships, barriers put up, depression, loneliness. You may even be avoided socially. People want, don't desire to be around someone bitter. So think of our families. They're not really desiring to be around someone that's bitter. The list could go on. So, but we're not going to stay on bitterness. We have a remedy. So, get to talk about that remedy. The dictionary says the opposite of bitter is sweet. That's good. Sweet. Sweet 
I think of sweet, I think of kindness. So the definition of sweet or kindness is distinctly pleasing, charming, agreeable, engaging, pleasant. Now, when you eat that dove chocolate or something and it's sweet, now what does your countenance look like? Hmm? Anybody got chocolate kisses on their table? And you eat that chocolate and it's like, hmm. Well, for me, anyway, usually I have a smile on my face and my eyes are like, ding. So now, when you have that countenance, your eyes are open. You can see opportunities to offer grace to others. And your mouth will speak and be engaging, and people will want to do that. So we have the four C's of kindness. Control, I mean choice, control, contagious, and consequences. So the first one for kindness or sweetness is your choice. It's a heart issue. It has to do with your heart issue. And again, it is watered and fed by our choices. What we choose to do. Mike, as you know, he loves grace, but he also loves God's glory. And we have, in our home, we always ask, when we have a choice to be made, what will glorify God more? And the question I always like to ask myself that I ask Mike as well when we're making a choice is, will this make a difference in eternity? So ladies, when we ask ourselves those two questions, we really already know the answer of how we know we should respond. We know what to do. We just have to choose it to do it. We will gain God's perspective when we choose what we know will be the right choice. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Wow, how'd you like that list of bitterness's friends? That's who bitterness hangs around with. But it goes on, and Ephesians 32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And in Colossians, it says, in 3.12, it says, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Did you hear who kindness's friends were? Did you like that list? I don't know about you, but when I was little, mom would always say, choose your friends wisely. Do you want bitterness's friends or kindness friends? Second, kindness is control. Control. We want kindness, sweetness to replace all of the bitterness. We don't want it to coexist with bitterness. We want to allow kindness and sweetness to control our actions and our attitudes. Second Timothy 2.24 says, but be kind to all. And First Peter 2.3 says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, respond in kindness. And the aftertaste of kindness and sweetness will be people, your family, will desire to be around you. They will seek you out. The third is contagious for kindness and sweetness. 
It's an atmosphere of grace, uplifting, not defeating. We as women, we talk, and we talk, and we talk. We, we like to share. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. I like to, at our marriage retreats, and if I'm just talking to a young mom, or I like to talk about their husband's name being safe in their mouth. I use that term of, is your husband's name safe in your mouth? Is your child's name safe in your mouth? Is your friend's name safe in your mouth? And what I mean by that is whenever you are in a setting where you are talking about your husband or your child to someone, would they feel safe? Would they be confident that what you share, that what you say when you mention their name is going to be pleasant and pleasing and that they do not have to fear when you speak their name? Is their name safe in your mouth? The fourth is the consequences. Proverbs 31, 26 says, the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That is a challenge, but it's a great consequence because when we do that, there is unity in our home. There's closeness. There's peace. Your home is a haven now that draws your family in and it's an example to your children when you respond with kindness and grace. And ultimately, it will glorify the Lord. Again, Ephesians 4.29 says that it gives grace to those who hear. So Mike's going to land this plane. Hope you've enjoyed the ride so far. Thank you, dear. So that wasn't too painful, hopefully. Um, but what I want to do now is just talk a little bit about a principle, kind of the landing principle, and go to a verse in particular to kind of give you an encouragement, I think, because the reality is, and again, we struggle with romance reality. What are we going to talk about? The reality is you are mops, but again, that is special. You are ladies, but you are also mothers. And then why are you here to encourage one another in the stage of life that you're in right now? And really, this is the principle I want to kind of hit um, to land the plane and give you encouragement. You are unbelievably special and gifted and designed. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know as husbands, sometimes we fear and wonder how you're made. But I mean, <laughs> we because we don't quite understand, and that's why we, God tells us we live with you as a fellow of grace in an understanding way. We're trying to do that at times. But the principle... And really, I kind of talked to a couple ladies about this um, who are mothers. I hope it's going to be of help to you. And really, by the grace of God, it'll help you with any situations you might come up with, what Sue talked about. But you are specially equipped for this. And it's really a setting just for you because of the very nature. And here's the verse I want to give. And I want to do a little... Uh... Oops, 
There we go. You see that. That's good. Okay. Here's the defini definition of grace if you want to write that down, um, if you can. But here's the verse I want to focus on. And actually, I want to read it in context. Um, Paul's talking to the Thessalonians, and he says that um, just as you know, we've been entrusted with the gospel to speak to you not only was pleasing to God, and, but who examines our hearts. And he says, we never came to you with flattering speech or pretext or greed, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. And then here's the key principle. And think about this, ladies. He says in verse 7, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own child. Now, when we knew we were going to speak to you, or we knew we were going to speak about grace, and we knew we were going to speak about bitterness, this verse came to my mind, and I thought, this is really amazingly unique. Look what Paul says. Look how he wants to behave. And look at the verse how he says, we proved. That means it's a reality. And that's what you're in, reality. He says, we proved to be gentle. And then among you, in the midst of you, all the time, around you. And look at the picture he gives as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Now, we do have about 32 couples in our class. We have, up to now, <laughs> with a few more coming, 54 kids involved in that class, and 42 of them, I think, are under the age of four. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, because these young couples have these babies that they're growing up that love the Lord. But look at the picture here, and then I want you to contrast it to what Sue said. And here's my thought, and hopefully here's the thing that I can help you with a principle here. Could you even imagine bitterness with this last half of that sentence? I mean, to me, it doesn't. It, I, now, there may be an exception, but the reality is, I mean, now, now get the point here. I know there's frustration, <laughs> and I know maybe there's even anger, and I know there's really maybe even some anxiety and some kind of questioning. But think about what bitterness really is. The root of bitterness, how hard and how tough that is. When you think about that, it is not your nature. When you look at women, when you think about a woman nursing tenderly her child and caring for her gently, caring for that child gently, it's an amazing picture. And so my thought and my question to you is, that is your nature. You know what it is, how to handle your child. And even when they get older, think about how you respond. Sure, it, it is frustrating. You know, three months, they start doing stuff, and then six months, they're teething and they're crying, and pretty soon they start slapping you a little bit, or, you know, they bite back, or, you know, you're frustrated with potty trading, and they kind of don't. But when you think about it, your very nature is not to grow a root of bitterness you have a different nature that handles them differently because you love them so much. Because you are a nursing mother that tenderly cares for your children, which is an amazing picture again. 
How do you handle the how do you handle their bad attitude? How will you change their behavior? You change it with your behavior of acting like this towards them. And usually it works, doesn't it? That child grows up. And again, it's not easy. It's frustrating. But do you ever think of bitterness when you've held that baby? How much does that contrast bitterness, a nursing mother? So how do you behave to change their behavior? Think of the patience you have. Think of the nurturing you have as a mother. Think of the selflessness you have. Us guys, we stand back, and honestly, we may not portray it that much, but I'm like, how do they do that? How do they sacrifice their time? How do they sip out of that bottle that the baby, you know, backwashed in? And how do they, I mean, self-control, how do they not just go crazy? And sometimes you want to, I understand that. But is there bitterness? Not usually. Because you see that baby, and then you take that baby, and you nurse that baby again, and you go, this is awesome. And when they sin or misbehave, sometimes, like I said, we think it's cute, and we respond differently. But here's the principle. That nature, use that same response with others. Just think if you could do that, the reality, the nature that God created in you. Just think about as a gentle mother nursingly nurses and cares for her own baby. Think about your marriage. Think about what would happen when your husband misbehaves, <laughs> when he throws the tantrum, when he acts like a child. <laughs> if you had that nature that God has in you to respond that way, do you think it would make a difference in the response of your husband? I can guarantee it would. As a husband, it would. So am I saying if they act like a child, treat them like a child? <laughs> I mean, because we don't expect that, and that's the thing. We expect, hey, you grow up, and you know what? With your kids, sometimes that nature starts to become more bitter as they get older. Then bitterness does come in. You, you kind of lose that. If you lose that nurturing, that nature, but God created you that way. Do you know what? When Paul's writing this, is he writing to babies? He's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he's saying, you know what? Here, here's, here's the amazing thing. Paul's saying, I want to be like a nursing mother. I can't be, but I want to be. So the reality is, ladies, that's what you are. You are that very thing that Paul desired to be to other people. So what's your response to them, gently as a nursing mother? And I know it's very hard, just like it is when that baby's those frustrating times when you're nursing. It's hard to do that. But you know what? I could be sitting and talking to men. They can't understand this. We can talk to ladies, old, even if they're really, and they've never had a child. They can't understand this. They can't understand that nature that you guys have and only you have. That if I could respond this way all the time, not just when the baby's little, but if I could respond this way to my husband, would that, you talk about reality or romance, that reality will change a romance, I can guarantee you. And if you could respond that way, and again, it's contagious, just like Sue mentioned. Why are so many children bitter towards their dad? Sometimes they saw it from their mom. 
Again, I'm not justifying sin that the husbands do or that anybody else. And it's not just for husbands. Ladies, there's other ladies <laughs> that if you could have this nature for them. But your response is the key to changing their behavior. So let your nature do it. How? By the grace of God. And I want to close with this illustration. And if I can get this down and up. Sue, if you want to slide this thing over. Okay. Yeah, just pull it over that way. Yeah, boy, she's strong. She can carry the whole beach. <laughs> okay. I want to try to close with an illustration, if I can, with the grace illustration along with that verse. It's amazing bitterness... And let me put that down here, because here's what happens. If you let bitterness be under here, and we'll pretend this is the ground here, okay? Here's what happens. If bitterness takes root, it can go up to hostility. And the thing is, it feeds off of that. And a lot of times you can cut it. And I work on a tree farm. And Dr. Martin, you know, sometimes we cut the trees down because the, the top isn't very good. You know, and then if we cut it, it might grow straighter, but you know what? It grows about three times as fast. So you can go, oh, let's cut this off. I think I'm not bitter anymore. And then all of a sudden it goes up. Or it can go up to here, or it can go up to here, or it can go up to here, or it can go up to here. It can go up to any one of these. And unfortunately, here's what happens. Sometimes it goes from here, and then it grows a little tree. <laughs> and bitterness just keeps going. And the reality is, is you don't want that. You don't want this root of bitterness. So what do they say in Hebrews? And this is what's awesome to me. Because it says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. What is this? This is grace. All of this is grace. You know why? Because this is God working in your life, the divine influence upon your heart. And this is God's nature that he gave you. As a woman, again, you're unique. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so what I'm saying is you take this grace of God, and guess what happens if you take the grace of God and you plant it right there, and then guess what you got right here? Weed barrier. <laughs> but I call it a sin barrier. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. So if you've got bitterness down here and you've got all these manifestations, and it's interesting sometimes, I, we can be angry and not really bitterness sometimes, but that might go away. But when the root of bitterness goes up to anger, you have a hard time getting rid of that anger. But if you put that sin barrier of the grace of God, who he, what he can do, and if you put your very nature to work with how God created you, guess what? This stuff can't get through here. And that's what you want. That's what you want to happen. You want to say, okay, I have a problem with this. But God, I need your grace. And by the way, you've created me to act in a nurturing, gentle way. And just like I do to a nursing baby. So that's the closing thought. Ladies, you are really special. I mean, you are very unique. You're the only group that understands this verse, really understands it. You have the nature, the understanding to be what Paul wants you to be. This is, again, I can't, Paul wanted to be this. He proved to be just like you in this situation.
And only you can fully understand that. So when you think about it, this is my, and when you think about Paul's prayer and Paul's letters, if I would pray for you ladies, and this is my closing prayer. You don't even have to bow your heads anyway. Here's my prayer. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Because if that's true, it's going to stop a lot of bad stuff. So I want to thank you for listening. And also, I thought when we talked to Sue, I said, okay, dear, we're going to talk on bitterness. So uh, I felt like I wanted to stop by Walmart. And so when you guys do your discussion questions, here's a little sugar to make the medicine go down. <laughs> so you could eat some chocolates as you uh, talk about your discussion question. But let me go ahead and actually close in prayer before uh, you guys go. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for your word, the power of it. And God, I simply pray again, may the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.